на трибунах холеют знамена, Облака под небесни плывут. На зеленом ковре стадиона разноцветные майки цветут. Hello and welcome back to the Russian Football News Podcast. Now we've had a little short break since Russia's elimination from the Euros and we did record our last pod, but we're back just in time for some RPL and European Conference League action. The Finetel also started two weeks ago, but due to some various vacation and holiday commitments, unfortunately, we won't be able to record at the time. So we'll be spending a little bit of the show today to recap on some of that action. And then round off with some big transfer news that's been going on in the summer in all the various leagues. To do all that, I'm joined as usual by David Sanson. Good evening. And Richard Pike. Good evening, James. Good evening, David. How are we all? Well, I'm pretty happy, actually, after that match that's literally just happened, what, half an hour before recording, in which Sochi both played in and won their first ever European match, of course, for those who may not be unaware, because it is just the second qualification round of the Conference League. Uh, Sochi defeated... Uh, Richard, pronunciation? <laughs> uh, FK Keshla. Keshla. I thought. I seen the I seen the accent on the S and I knew if I, if I go straight in with the hard S, I'm going to mess it up here. But they defeated them anyway in, in the Fish Stadium in Sochi 3-0. And that was thanks to a series of goals from Summer Signing, who we might get on to later, uh, Rodrigo Prado, a penalty from Christian Noboa, and then a, a last goal from Maxim Barsov, finally back in the goals again. It's only his second one since his real long two-year injury layoff. If that's not necessarily a familiar name, but he's the man who led Sochi to promotion and fired them in to the RPL and was rewarded and, and got injured, unfortunately, when they got into the RPL, but was rewarded with his loyalty to the club by them keeping him on for some time. But Richard, you, you and David both caught the game, but what really stood out with Sochi for yourself today? And of course, it's been a little bit of a tumultuous summer for them with quite some big name players leaving as well. Yeah, um, I watched the game in its entirety and um have to say I was very, very I was very impressed with what I saw from Sochi. You now obviously I'll caveat that slightly at the start by saying that Keshler looked quite um a pretty ordinary side, I have to be honest. But um but you can only beat what's what's put in front of you. Um, and I thought Sochi did a very good and professional job. They certainly created a lot of chances throughout the game. Uh, probably the only thing I would probably say on a donor for them is that they probably could have been a bit more clinical, although um, former uh, Spartak Nalchik and Kuban Krasnodar goalkeeper Stantislav Namaska had a brilliant game in goal for Keshler. Um, it could have easily have been five or six goals for Sochi without him in goal. He, he made some brilliant saves. So probably that's the only thing really I could criticise from Sochi, to be honest. They were they were brilliant other, other than that. Um, I thought Christian Nabo was the best player on the pitch. He really controlled the midfield. His, his range of passing mm. was really good. Still a superb operator even at 36. I thought Salagov was good alongside him. And then what really impressed me the most was the defensive three. I thought um, Rodrigal, the new signing from Gilles Vicente, um, Danilo Prokin and um, Matteo Barac, um, I thought they were all very good. Um, admittedly, you know, Keshler didn't offer a huge amount, but nonetheless, uh, they were all nice and composed. Again, the attacks go in, marshalled. Keshler's attacking players really well. Um, and then, yeah, I was really happy for Barsov at the end there, getting that goal after all those injury issues that he's had. Uh, it, was, it was a nice goal as well. I like, hit it down into the ground, the header, and, you know, fooled the keeper. 
and yeah, um, could have been a yeah, could have been a bit more. Another goal or two would have been nice, but I think at three nil, the tie, touch wood, and given Russian clubs have not been brilliant in Europe in recent years, I'm still <laughs> touching the wood a little bit. As I said, I did my prediction for for RFM, but um, yeah, I think Sochi are looking in a really good position now to go through, um, and that was a good performance. That was just. Really pleasurable to watch after two years of just dire performances from Russian clubs in Europe, you know, playing defensive football, playing just pretty rubbish. But that was good to watch, team playing a good progressive style on the front foot, brilliantly coached by Fedotov Sochi. And yeah, I really enjoyed that performance. Rodri Gao as well alongside um alongside the ball impressed me. I thought he was a he was a nice composed one at the back, whereas, you know, the likes of Barac and Prokin looked to get things moving either side. He was the central of the three defensive central defensive players and I thought, mm. you know, he marshaled the defence really well. That looks like that potentially could be a good pickup. And, you know, there's still Emmanuel Mamama on the bench as well, which is really encouraging. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I was impressed with Sochi and what I saw there. Yeah, and you've mentioned there that of course Keshler aren't necessarily the greatest of sides to face. They're only actually in the league on I mean, they're in the league on merit because they won a cup in the is Airy League, but they actually finished in the bottom half and were one of the worst sides in that league at the time. But last time a Russian club met an Azeri one in Europe, of course, Nefchi Baku defeated Arsenal Tula. Arsenal of, of, were at the time worse than what Sochi are now, and Nefchi were better than Keshla. But that mirrored with the fact that Dinamo lost against Lokomotiv Tbilisi of all sides last year. It just shows that with, as you said, the way that Russian teams in Europe have been performing of late, that no side, whether how big or small they are, minnows they are, that should not be underestimated. And I think it was a perhaps just a polished performance, David, would you say? Is it is it maybe something that we've come to expect from Sochi under Vladimir Fedotov? I mean, it was certainly a straightforward Straightforward one. Um, all, I mean, all things considered, they they should have scored more. Um, Keshler Keshler were not good, uh, and were definitely there for the taking. Um, as Rich said, the goalie goalie uh, put in some good saves, but they're they're also guilty of missing chances and making it easier for the goalie than it should have been on some occasions. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was really straightforward for. For Sochi, even with you know a fairly defensive system that they put out as per normal, um, they had an early injury as well, and the substitution there was a defensive-minded one rather than an attack-minded one, and that that could have you know helped them get further away in that in that first leg. But um, you know they 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 bruised through the game fairly comfortably. Uh, it was the second half; it was just waiting for the second goal, and it finally came with the penalty uh, for the second goal. Uh, which Dimitrov did really well to win. Um, you know that 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 if they if they hadn't got that though, you you sort of wondered because it was you know they were they they were having all the play, but they were just not getting that final ball sometimes right. Um, and then they after that it sort of opened a little bit more up and uh, scored a nice third goal again. Dimitrov really good in, in the build up to that one. So. Um, so yeah, straightforward. Fedosov, I think, was just being a little bit cautious going into it. Um, with no away goals, you, you wonder how he'll set up in the away leg and with the lead. Uh, you'd like to see see him just go with a fairly uh, standard lineup, but you wonder if he'll go a bit more defensive. 
just to just in case you know the home advantage. You never know how it's gonna how it's gonna play out. But um, yeah, looking looking good that they're they're gonna proceed through to the next round where they're gonna play. Um, God, Partizan Belgrade or whether Partizan Belgrade are likely to be. I forget who it is. <laughs> um, oh yeah, Dunyaska Strader. That's it, Dunyaska yeah. Strader. So, um, so yeah, looking good for Sochi certainly, and uh, yeah, uh, ten out of ten for me from the poor. Actually, you know, ten ten to too far, and eight out of ten for me on the performance. You know. mm. It was good, but uh, they they definitely could have, you know, scored five or six probably tonight. Now, David, just to jump straight back to yourself, of yeah. course, Anton Zabalotny moved to Suska in the summer. Um, in the summer, yeah, summer. Yep. Uh, so. The man who started today was, of course, current striker was already there, Marco Juganjic. But do you think that he could be he could bring the goals that Sochi may rely on to try and replace it? They've lost through Zabalotny. Or perhaps maybe Dmitry Vorobiev, who's finally made the step up from the Finnell. Based on tonight, you wouldn't back Juganjic to be getting more than sort of five goals this season. It, it wasn't a good performance uh, from him necessarily, I didn't think. And he was, you know, rightly subbed off the Barsov uh, in the second half. And Barsov just looked a bit more lively. You know, Duganjic is big, a bit like Zavlotny was, but he doesn't seem as mobile. Uh, Barsov's quite a, quite a little guy and was was getting trying to make some runs in behind. I remember there was one point where he and Popov were breaking. And I think Barsov must have started and stopped his run about three times waiting for Popov to play the ball. And Popov probably was just thinking, get on side or whatever. I don't know. It's, he must have been very tight. Uh, but Vorobiov's obviously come in, as you say. They come in off a really good season with with Volgar and Orenberg last year in the Fenial. Started this season really well as well with uh, a goal and two assists as well in, in two games. Uh, but he's played he's played more on the right sort of in in twenty twenty one. I think at Volgar he was he was predominantly used as a as a striker. But at Orenberg he's played out wide, and when he came on today he came on as the right sided attacker uh, with Barsov staying as the central forward. Um, so whether he'll he'll come in to to relieve Dugandic in the central role is is uh is questionable. I, I'd sort of say they. I know obviously we we've, we've in our chat certainly discussed the the foreign spots in their squad and they're they're sort of lacking in spots now. But you'd sort of think they need to go out and get another striker. I don't think Dugandic is uh, good enough to be taking up a foreign spot in that squad, based on what we've seen of him this season and last season. I mean. I'm just going to break break the fourth wall here and say that you know before the pod you hadn't even realised he was a new wasn't a new player you thought he was a new signing that's how little impact yeah. he had last season <laughs> so um, a peek behind the curtain there so you know that's that's something I've been thinking about a lot with a lot of clubs this summer is are their foreign players good enough for the spot in the squad you know mm-hmm. it's not it's weird that the limit before I was never provoked that question. But now the spots are even some, somehow more valuable than they were before. You really think about, you know, is this player worth taking up a foreigner spot? Uh, and in Dugandic's case, you, you think, no, surely there must be something they can do better with that foreigner spot. You know, if Barstov's good enough to play, or if that ball, like last season, Zabalotny was good enough to play, then ditch him, ditch, ditch Dugandic and use, get another foreigner in elsewhere or, or get a better striker, foreign striker in. Um, yeah. But it'll be interesting to see what they do. You know, still time left in the window, so we'll see. Maybe it will depend. You know, if they make the group stages, maybe they'll be able to do something about it. 
it's worth saying that this is only Jugancic's fifth appearance in general in the entirety of 2021. Um, his last one was as a late sub in a in the 2-1 victory over Cisco and he just kind of came on late just to literally see the game off. I genuinely totally forgot that he was even at Sochi. He only started four games in the entirety of last year, partly because of his own misgivings, but also just the, the sheer form of Zabalotny up top, even though it was all surprising and we didn't really quite see it continuing on in the second half. I think I remember us saying quite early on in the season that we didn't expect him to 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 really follow on like he did back way back with Tosna when him and Yevgeny Markov just decided to like tear the league apart for a little while. But what I've seen of him and what I can actually remember of him, he's kind of like in very similar to Zabalotny where he's a little bit clumsy at times, but also just a million times worse and doesn't have that eye for goal. But <laughs> but yeah, I, I think Sochi desperately do need some attacking reinforcements without a shadow of a doubt. And I think Sochi also need to start looking ahead more often. I think Vorobyov is a good signing for them. It's not only, of course, helped by the Gazprom links with Volgar, Orenberg, Sochi, all tedious or tenuously linked to Gazprom in some form or another. It's, it's largely one of the reasons why it happened. But it's also just a smart transfer for them. He's only 23 still. And Sochi have one of the highest percentages of the squad players being over the age of 30. So they desperately need to look more towards the future. But Richard, was there anyone, any, anything else that you'd like to discuss as, as a last little word on the on Sochi and perhaps the their game in particular that happened earlier on? Yeah, I just want to come in on um, Dugancic. I think I think Sochi are on. I think they're on eight foreigners now because obviously they just brought in Emmanuel Mamama from um, Zenit on loan. I have heard reports. I mean, I don't know whether this is true or not, but that. Um, Mladinovic, the um, Serbian defender that they have, he's he's trying to get a Russian passport. So obviously, if he got that, then that would put them down to seven. So if they if they then can't move Dugancic on, they could then bring in another foreigner. But yeah, I do agree with the observation. I thought Dugancic wasn't great tonight. You know, he he faded as well as the game went on. As David said correctly, he was subbed off for Barsov. And yeah, that is kind of something. Such you, you know, Zabalotny leaving was it was a blow to them, and you know. They've obviously they obviously brought him in last year, Dugancic, so they're probably trying to, you know, justify the the money that they spent on him. But yeah, I'm I'm not massively convinced. Having watched that tonight, I think if they can before, maybe even before, assuming that they get through, maybe even before that third round tie, they might even want to look at doing something and trying to maybe move him on because yeah, or see if they can get Mladenovic a Russian passport like planned. I mean, I, I don't know whether that's in the pipeline just yet, or maybe even further down the line, but it's it's certainly something to consider because yeah, he didn't look up to it. But but overall, apart from that, that and the way, apart from Dugancic and the wasted chances, I thought very positive tonight from Sochi. Very good Polish performance, and um, just to reiterate what we've all said, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, fingers crossed. And yeah, I, I agree with. I, I like the way they fought outside of the box. This transfer window too. I was saying it on a couple of pods last year mm. to diversify the transfer strategy a bit. They've gone to Portugal for Rodrigo Angban. Um, Barac from uh, Rapid Wien in Austria. They've they've gone out and not just brought in Zenit Kastovs now. They're bringing other players in too now for Brawl. They had foreign spots free, so good on them for that. But obviously, we'll get onto that in a bit more detail later. Aside from players returning from loan spells, such as um, Cedric Agua returning to Siska from his loan at Rotter, um, Sochi have actually brought in the joint most foreigners so far. So 
it's clear that they had room to manoeuvre, still potentially could have room to manoeuvre with the reports you mentioned with Miladinovic, and they're taking advantage of that, so fair credit to that. But David, is one last little thing on the on the Conference League. I believe it's now the, obviously they've, they're halfway to advancing to to the third round, and that's where Ruben will be coming in, isn't it, in the third round? That is that is correct, yes. We will play uh, the winners of uh, Suduva versus uh, Rakov. Rakow. I think it's probably must be Rakov, the second name of that team. I'm not even going to pronounce. Um, <laughs> just looking at the score there. They're 0-0 so far in the first leg, and it's almost over. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, of, of the ties that were there for us, you know, we, we could have also had... Uh, we could have been drawn against Copenhagen. Could have been drawn against uh, Maribor, Limassol, um, with, with some of the options in our pool of teams. So that was definitely, on paper, you know, the kindest draw for us. Uh, Suduva, obviously, Lithuanian team, who on paper you think Ruben should get to beat. Rakov obviously came second in Poland last year, but have only been in the top flight for two years. So you, you you have to look at that and think, well, that's that's a team who are beatable too. So. Um, yeah, uh, a nice a nice draw for Ruben there, and hopefully uh, a winnable tie um, if if we can keep the form going. Yeah, I think the conference league's really going to test the David Sanson sort of bizarre knowledge of teams this year because when I'm full disclosure, when I look at the obviously we've had I've had the full qualification rounds up while discussing the games and. I think there's probably about 60% of the teams that I've genuinely never heard of in my entire life. So <laughs> that's probably how a lot of other fans when, uh, of, of big big clubs see when they find like a uh, one of the smaller Russian teams just popping up in the in the Europa League qualifi- qualifying of previous years. But if we will now move on to away from Europe and back to some domestic affairs. The Finnell started two weeks ago, as I mentioned at the top of the pod, so a little bit of an apology there for us missing out on some action, but the best part is is that we can now get one of David's famous monologues on some Finetel action as you've been if you want as to. ever catching up and keeping along with the scores and keeping your statistics. Yeah, yeah. I mean so yeah, we're two weeks in. Um it's I mean on paper this it's this season is uh it's set up to be a, a really interesting one because there's about eight or nine clubs who've been given the goal of promotion this year. You've got Orenburg, Torpedo, Alania, Scar, Nifty Chimic, Baltica, Kuban, uh, Yenisei. Sort of all of those guys, all those clubs have sort of been given the say, and even at Kron as well, been, been given the go-ahead to say, look, we, we want to push for promotion here. So there's a lot of clubs who are really like gunning for it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out long-term. Uh, Orenburg started the season incredibly well. Uh, two games, both 4-0 wins. Um, Vorobyov, Famier, Muranov were all scoring a couple of goals and playing really well. Obviously, they've lost Vorobyov now. Um, they, they had an interesting window. They, they ditched a lot of their older players and have now moved to a very young team uh, in general. Um, they had the, the three centre-halves they had out on the weekend were all over 30, but then the rest of the team were 25 or under. Um the bulk of the team being sub twenty three. After that, even their goalkeeping, you know, they used to uh, used to have a very old squad all over the pitch, uh, and they they've really moved away from that now. With uh, Lichka in charge, you know, Lichka. I was reading an interview 
Um, he said he'd gone back to the Czech Republic and people were laughing at him saying, you know, you, you got promoted, but you also didn't get promoted. You know, what, what, why are you managing in this league? And yeah, he had to have some real big sort of internal discussions as to whether he wanted to stay on for another season. And, you know, part, the only way he was going to do it was to receive the guarantees that, you know, the stadium will be suitable for Russian Premier League football next season if, if they were to get there, which obviously he's received those guarantees and, that's what Orenberg are looking like. They're, they're going to go and do. They, they're looking very comfortable, you know, even after just two weeks. Uh, you know, they beat Volgar, who are by no means a, a bad team, 4-0 uh, with, with ease. And then they went out and beat um, Mitterlerg, who have obviously just been promoted. Uh, also 4-0, both at home, obviously, as well. So, yeah, good, good start from them. Uh, Torpedo also uh, with, with two wins from two. I think they're the only two teams yet with six points. Um, they, they've gone the opposite direction. They've got now a very old squad, very experienced squad uh, with Borodjuk in charge. Um, the only quote-unquote young player is Botnar, the goalkeeper. All the rest of them are, are experienced bodies. They bought Temnikov and Sultanov this this summer. Um, they sort of snuck, snuck a win against Kuban in the first week, but then bad Spartak 2 um, last weekend, 5-0. Um, so yeah, good good start for them. Uh, I'll give a shout out to Tom Tomsk who got promoted. You know, and he got a notification that they were being promoted with like ten days to go, uh, but they managed to win one of their first two games of the season um, against who was that against? I forget already. Baltica, Baltica struggling. Uh, drew drew against Fakel three three in the first week, and they lost to Tom Tomsk. Um, they sort of had also had a fairly on paper strong window and have got a strong squad there, which should be you know competing. To, to go up. Um, so not a good start for them to, to lose their, well, to only get a point out of their opening two games. Uh, at the bottom end, who's really struggling. Both both the uh, the two teams, Spartak and Krasnodar 2, have only got a point so far. Um, it's so weird, isn't it, to think that, what was it, two, two seasons ago, three seasons ago, you had Spartak 2, Krasnodar 2, and Chertanova. All three of them were like fighting for the top four. And now Shertanova have been relegated and Krasnod 2 and Spartak 2 both were like struggling last season and have again started with a, a poor start this season. Um, it's, it's, it's odd how that goes. Obviously, generational changes and managerial changes uh, have, have just affected them. Uh, Krasnod have got probably the nicest stadium in the Feniel now, uh, aside from maybe the World Cup ones in, in Volgograd uh, and in Kaliningrad. Um Gilitsky splashed out on a nice 5,000-seater state-of-the-art little mini stadium there in the in the Krasnodar complex, and it, it does look very nice, all, uh, all sort of a matte black colour by the look of it from the outside and with the, the sort of the fan... Not as fancy as obviously the main stadium, but some, some fancy scoreboards going on. Um, so that looks pretty cool. Um, I think it actually didn't even list Rotor in the promotion candidates earlier. Um, they, they've only managed two draws so far. Um, they snuck a, a late equaliser against uh, Dolga Prudny uh, this weekend. Um, and they, they've also gone for uh, a younger squad, Rotor. Um, only a few of the players sort of have, have stuck on from last season. Um, but it's a, it's a good squad on paper still. They brought in some players from the, from the Premier League, like Makatadze. So um, it's definitely a club that, that can go up. Um, Dolga Prudny have become a weird sort of 
Kimki slash Chatanova sort of feeder <laughs> thing. So they, they've got about six or seven lads in from Chen, uh, from Chatanova this summer. Uh, like uh, Velikorodny, Gerchikov, Gubkov, uh, Nikitenkov, Abayev. They then got a couple of gold boys in from, from Kimki on loan, Bolshikov, uh, Balhonsev, uh, and someone else. I can't remember who. And then uh, very strangely, uh, Selyuk has turned up and put a couple of his Nigerian boys in there. Uh, and actually, one of them uh, has been really, really good so far. Um, Nicholas Lawrence, Anwan in the midfield. And he he played for Tamov once, uh, you may recall, last season. Um, but he, on both matches, I, I, I made sure when I when I, so I was doing all the stats and he, he stood out and I made sure to just have a, have a watch through. And he, he looks really good. Um, and and statistically, he's he's one of the best players so far in the, in the league. Um, so it's an interesting project they've got. It's a, it's you know it is essentially uh, a young, very young team, a bit like Chertanova was. So it'll be interesting to see how it, how it plays out for them. Uh, they they've got a point out of two games so far, but uh, have not disgraced themselves with their results. You know, a draw against uh, Rotor away and. Uh, uh, loss away to Neftikimik, but only only narrow results, 1-0 to Neftikimik, so not too bad there. Um, let's think, anything else? I think we've got some some fancy players coming in at Velez. Velez have basically got an entirely new squad, having lost uh, their manager, Stuglov, to Ufa. Several of their players then also went to Ufa. Um, so they've just basically got an entirely... Brand new squad of guys from the PFL, mostly young guys, but they've also signed a Nicaraguan striker, which is uh, something you don't hear every day. Um, that's for sure. Hmm. Uh, he he's a boy who's like been out in Eastern Europe for a fair bit, and uh, he's just waiting for his his work permit. And I think let's end with uh, RFN sort of friend of the site, Juan Lescano. We we interviewed him many years ago. Um, before he even shot to fame when he went to the Premier League with the NSA and Angie. Um, he's just got moved to uh, Brisbane Raw in, in Australia. Um, so leaving Russia after, God, must be a good 10 years. I think he must have been here. You know, he's a Russian citizen now. So, um, so yeah, he's uh, gone for a change of scene and, and moved down to Australia. So, um, you know, we wish him well. Yeah, certainly. We we uh, kept in touch with Han Lascano for quite some time as well, actually. And, and I believe it is now just under 10 years. I think if when he first joined Yense, it was, what, 2013? So he's been in, in Russia for pretty much longer than RFN has existed now at this point. But Rotter's business has kind of interested me at some point over the summer. They, of course, have brought in Dmitry Kokolov as the manager and Igor Shkolik, the young uh, Dynamo attacking midfielder who was ripping the... Youth League apart at one point, but also, um, as us Spartak fans will know, Alexander Tashayev has also joined joined Rutter. Um, I believe it's it was a free transfer, wasn't it? After he was, was released from Spartak. Yep. So, how is have you seen much of Tashayev yet, or has he um, did what he did at Spartak, where he didn't even get to play? He he got the whole game on the weekend, and I. Which I didn't see fully, but I've, I've seen highlights of all the games. But um, I did notice that he was um, 
that you know, let's be honest, most man of the matches voted by the fans are usually the goal scorers, but he was uh, mm. second in that vote behind the goal scorer. So I'm assuming he's had a you know a decent start. You know, he is a good enough player to do to do that. So um, you know, we you think about him when he had that really big breakout Dynamo, and it's just all gone downhill since then. If he could just get that confidence back, then uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll be a fine a fine player for for this level. You know, bet he's you know he is better than this level. Um, he just needs that that chance to do it. Um, Shkolik, I, I caught, looked fairly impressive in the highlights uh, for Rotoy. You know, it's good that he's getting a good whole season here of first-team football. Um, hopefully that'll give him maybe the, the experience thing, come back in for Dino next season. Um, and they also, they just assigned another chap on loan from, from Spartak Golosov. Um, I think he, he got a couple of sub-appearances for, for the main team before. So um, they, they've gone young and they've got... Uh, that Georgian, there's a Georgian super agent. I forget his name, but he's sort of in control at Rotor, and he's he's uh, sort of been been the man around a lot of the transfers. They've got a, uh, you know a small Georgian contingent in Volgograd this season, and uh, yeah, it's it's a good squad on paper. They just uh, need to gel together because it's uh, it's a lot of them are fairly new to 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 each other. And what's what do you think's up with Spartak two so far? I mean, of course they have only got one point. They were dumped five nil the at the at, at the weekend by the big rivals. Well, big rivals. It's actually a friendly rivalry of uh, Torpedo, but they have still got a wealth of experience and talent for this level. I mean, just look at to list off a few of the names: Rudenka, Markitasov, Young Denis, Denisov in midfield, Dokanasian, uh, Leonard Mirinov at. at um, Left back and centre back, and then Akmurzin in goal. Akmurzin's been pretty much solidly the number one for for the for the two side, unless uh, they're given time to one of the older reserve choice keepers. So, what what do you think's been a little bit of an issue with them? Is it maybe suffering think, from uh, some of their good players getting promoted to the first team too too often of late? Well, they they've started the season with some of those guys. Like Markitesov was obviously in and around the Spartak first team. For most of last season, he was on the bench pretty much every every game. Uh, he started both games this season. I think, you know, they, they drew their first game 0-0 against Krasnodar 2. And that game, I, I saw the highlights, was a bit of a, was a, bit of a dullard uh, result. Um, and then I think the second game, it was just a case of, you know, that Torpedo team, as I've already said, very experienced. You know, they've got Pomerko, uh, Temnikov, Sultanov, and then, uh, you know, Kalmikov up front is... He's a big striker. You know, he is another "quote unquote" Juba clone for for the Feniel, and he <laughs> uh, he was he was dominant. Like both the goals he scored were just, uh, particularly the first goal, just you know, no, none of the guys, none of those defenders that Sparta had in there were, were going to beat him in the air for that header. Um, and yeah, he then assisted, scored the first two, assisted the third on. I think it was just uh, the experience. You know, that that experienced squad was just a. Of, you know enough to basically just push Spartak to its side. Um, so I think they've. I think we're judging them maybe a bit too harshly. Um, even myself, uh, just on their position. Um, you know they had a an average draw against Krasnodar too, and then they faced a very good and uh, experienced Torpedo team. So um, I'll give them a few weeks before judging further. Um, you know there are some there's some there's some players I really like in that team. You know. Melnikov's coming through, who who had a breakout last year. You've got the Sheetov twins, who are um, both started last week, and uh, Vladislav Sheetov started this week, just gone. And uh, some, some younger players who have been on the bench and 
who I'm hoping to see come through here. Uh, Maxim Lykin being being the main one, who was yeah. uh, really good in the youth league last year. So um, we'll see we'll see how they get on. They've they've changed the the core a little bit, but and uh, it'd be interesting to see when this when the senior RPL season starts, how many of these guys are going to start disappearing off to to train with the first team. Like you'd sort of expect Rudenko will go out on loan again, maybe. You know, he would have never sort of hit made big waves at Sochi, but we know he's you know he's got a pedigree and. Is a and is an efficient player at times. Um, obviously, he's now no longer classified as a, a limit chick in the Fennel, so that that sort of potentially uh, dampens the, the interest in him. But you know, there, there's a couple of guys there who you know, would probably benefit from a, from a loan elsewhere if they could get it. Um, but you know, even if they don't, they're still going to get a full season here playing playing in the Fennel. Yeah, I think sometimes that the Unless the two sides have got some real prodigious talent from the academies, which is of course the benefit that they have, is sometimes it is just like men against boys. And if you have real hardened, grizzled veterans like like what Borodiuk's got up over at Torpedo, then they can really bully them, and particularly at set pieces and in the physicality, and and the two tend to struggle. And particularly Spartak to miss Mikhail Egnatov, who of course finally seemingly, hopefully anyway, made the step up to the first team after all those promising debuts so many moons ago because he's yeah. been an absolute gem in pre-season and a Vittoria so far. Yeah, and he was brilliant last season in the Fennial. You know, it was mm. it was one we were hoping for and uh, it seems uh, Vittoria, Vittoria's taken a liking to him and, uh, you know, he's he's also uh, produced in, in the friendlies that we've seen so far Spartak. So, yeah, I'm hoping he can, you know, I... I'm not expecting him to start every game, but obviously at the same time you don't want him to just waste away on the bench the whole season, just getting the odd 15 minutes. You know, you'd want him to yeah. get some starts in there and show what he can do. Richard, yourself, have you been have you been uh, apologies? Have you been keeping an eye in particular on any any Fenerl teams and players that you're looking forward to seeing this season? A little bit slow off the mark with the Fennel like you, James, but I've, I've had a little, a little bros um, at some of the transfer dealings. Um, yeah, Rotto have been quite busy, haven't they? And uh, it's quite interesting how, you know, two of the Nefchikimik and uh, Rotto, two of the sides who you think, you know, are going to be up there this season, both ex-Dinamo coaches, you know, Kirill Novikov and Nefchikimik and Dimitri Hokloff at, um, at Rotto. Uh, I'm intrigued to see how Shkolik gets on. Um, on loan because I remember when he first broke through at Dynamo and we were all quite impressed with him. You know, obviously, he's 20 years of age now. You know, Schwartz didn't really play much last season. Um, so, obviously, the new man Central Schwartz didn't really play much last season at Dynamo. So, it's good for him to go out on loan and get some games, like David said. He can get a full season out there on loan now and he's still really, really young. So, um, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, that loan works out for him. Um, and, yeah, the other thing I'd like to mention as well with Orenberg is if, with, with Liska, the, the coach, Marcel Liska, is that um be interested to see if any RPL clubs are keeping an eye on him because, obviously, if Orenberg, you know, don't go up again for whatever reason this season, whether they've still not got the stadium sorted out in time, if I was some of the RPL clubs and he's interested in a challenge, I'd certainly be casting my eyes on him because, uh, you know, it's worth remembering as well, he won a Belarusian league title with Dinamo Brest in 2019. So, he does look like he has some pedigree. So, um, yeah, just that's, that's something. I think Orenberg probably are looking a good bet to come up this year. But, but yeah, if if they don't, then if I was an RPL club in mid-table and we were looking for a new manager, I'd, I'd certainly be swooping for, for Liska. So. And seeing as you mentioned it there, Richard, I thought 
might as well move on to the last topic for the for the last ten or fifteen so minutes of the pod, and that was actually transfers. And you you did bring up some Finnael transfers, but Richard, would you like to give a brief overview of some of the big moves that's been going on in the summer in the RPL? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the big names who obviously was in the league on loan last season, but now he's made his move permanent, is Victor Moses. He has now signed for Spartak Moscow on a permanent transfer for a, trans- a fee of uh, 5 million euros from Chelsea. Um, Maxim Nenarkov has signed for Lokomotiv Moscow for Matmat after impressing for a fee of uh, 2 million euros. They've also brought in Lokomotiv, um, a young Belarusian attacking midfielder in uh, Kirill Zinovich from FK Minsk. Um one of the big name transfers this window has been um, Sayed Haksabanovic from Nortripping to Rubin Kassan. Um, he's of the confirmed transfers so far. I think he's the most expensive at six and a half million euros. Um, we were all assuming when he was brought in earlier in the window that he would be a replacement for Kvitscher, but he's still at Rubin at this moment in time, although there is some interest that's been um, that's surfaced in Kvitscher in the last couple of days. Um, Sochi obviously been quite busy in the market we said before, Rodrigal, the new signing from Gil Vicente in Portugal Matteo Barac has come on a free from Rapid Vienna and I think he was playing quite a lot for Rapid, Rapid Vienna last season in, um, in the Austrian Bundesliga, they would have run us up behind uh, Salzburg uh, Victoria and Angban uh, the Ivorian central midfielder is one I'm really looking forward to seeing um, 4.1 million euros um, Sochi paid to Mets for, for Angban, uh, former Chelsea youth player, played a lot for a side who came 10th in the French League in last season, so that's definitely one I'm keeping an eye on. Yeah, Siska brought in obviously Anton Zabalotny from Sochi on a free. They've also swooped in for young Maxim Mukin um, for €170,000. Dinamo have been quite busy. They've got themselves a, um, you know, a Spanish-speaking back line. Fabian Balbuena's come in from West Ham on a free transfer. They've made Guillermo Varela's low move permanent. They've also brought in Diego Lackshalt from um, AC Milan. Um, Himke quite busy. Quite a number of free transfers that they've brought in there. Um, Rostov have brought Kirill Bozhinov, who I'm looking forward to seeing. The young um, right wing back from Himke. Just €100,000 fee, actually, for him. They've also brought, brought in... Nikolai Komlichenko on loan from Dinamo. Um, it's not confirmed yet, but we are hearing that Krasnodar are soon to sign John Cordoba from uh, Hertha Berlin to solve the striking issue to uh, finally a Marcus Berg replacement. Yeah, those are probably the deals that are, are really um, catching my attention so far. Dinamo also brought in a um, Luka Gagidze, a young Georgian at 11 a young 18-year-old Georgian midfielder from Dinamo Tbilisi, but because they're quoted up on the foreign limit, they're lowering them out to Uralia Katzenberg, so hopefully they'll get some games there. Um, yeah, they're the moves that are catching my attention so far. They're the main um, main transfer moves. I think Lakshal to Dinamo is a really weird transfer. I think there's quite a few times where that same one, that same move's been, been mooted now. He was, of course, linked with Dinamo before he even went to Celtic, where he spent last year on loan, and it just smacked of agent talk. Just con- every time you'd hear it, you hear that that same rumor where it's not particularly like a a really appealing rumor. It's just like his agents obviously desperate to get him out of Milan to play football, and they're just linking them with every single league, every big team, and every like sm- next smaller level league 
across the entirety of Europe. Like even if you just type in Laxalt transfer on Google, there's just like dozens and dozens of transfer stories with him and <laughs> completely random names. And then it happened. And then it was just like, shit, that's really weird. It actually happened because, I mean, it's probably fair to say that the Russian level is similar to the Scottish, especially in terms of that the, the there's quite a big divide between the top and the bottom of the leagues. And they are, of course, ranked right next to each other now in the in the European coefficients. And Lackshalt was was quite poor in Scotland, to be quite honest. He against Rangers, he struggled against the technical proficiency of some of their wingers. Um, in particular, um, Ryan Kent absolutely tore him a new one. And then because he's quite slight, he really struggled physically. And Scotland's quite a physical league. It's again, it uh, there's quite a few similarities with the Russian league in the sense that they have a, a wrecked winter. Um, a lot of the lower teams really play like quite low defensive blocks and lower ranked teams play quite low defensive blocks and then counter at pace often by a direct nature, which does happen more often than not in the lower levels of, of both league leagues. So I'm not quite sure where Dinamo has got this transfer from because maybe, maybe I'm going too far from comparing his time to Celtic to potential time at Dinamo. But I feel like Dinamo have been a quite an intelligent club of late in, in their transfers, especially when the in the workings not in the transfer market. The, they've got Zelko Buvac in charge, who's a, a, got a keen footballing brain, and and Schwartz himself is is really good at spotting a talent. So maybe I am over-egging a little bit, but David, I, I just thought that was. A little bit of a weird one, just the whole transfer in general. Never mind the fact that I'm not sure if he fits at Dinamo. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was casting doubts over it all the way through up until it was confirmed, just because we've heard it all before. You know, we've heard literally heard that rumor every year for about the last six years to some Russian club. I feel like he's been linked to Zenit, Dinamo, Lokomotiv, Siska. You know, the whole the whole shebang. So to see it actually uh, actually happen, he must have a very persistent agent um, <laughs> who was just putting all those rumors out, and he's finally got one to. He's finally made one of those rumors stick. So, um, so yeah, strange, a strange one. Um, you know, him and Skopins have both very attacking fullbacks, um, but very, but you know, both of them. Even you'd say their defensive side is there. Is their strong suit? So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that how that works out for them. Whether they'll um, just have you know, play maybe slightly asymmetrical. And obviously, the right backs are going to be Varela and whoever else they've got over there, Poshivliuk. Um, so, so it'll be interesting. Um, they've they've had that sort of more attacking style over the last year, so maybe it's what they go for. We'll have to see how it. How it works out, but yes, it was it was certainly a surprise when it when it actually happened. Now, of course, Richard did mention earlier a few names of players who finally made the step up to the RPL. Um, one of which, Luka Gagnidja. Um, we've also mentioned pre earlier on in the pod the the Sochi signing of Vorobyov. But David, is there any players you you're particularly excited about who have stepped up from the Finna L and are there any that you pointed out last year who you think 
could still still make that step up as well. Um, well, for Ufer have, uh, have gone through the uh, Feniel fairly fairly strongly and have brought in uh, Botaka and Fushenka from from Vélez, uh, which is uh, where their manager club was last year. Um, both both young players. Botaka had sort of been following on and off since he was at Luchvali Vostok a few few years ago. So it's good to see him move up. He's you know born born in Russia, but um, I think his dad is Congolese and his mother's Russian. So um, always good to see, um, you know, just because of how frequent they are, you know, mixed race Russian players come through. Um, you've currently got him, Ido and Anonuko playing in, in the Premier League right now. So it's uh, just nice to see that trend sort of improving. Um, it's it's a weird one. There's, I wouldn't say there's been a whole lot of, of action coming from the Feniel. You know, Vorobyov was one who was either going to promote... Um, Orenburg or, or come up, and you know, it's we you said it earlier, you know, he's literally just following that Gazprom train right now. Uh, and we knew it was going to happen. Um, well, you know, we predicted it on podcasts, you know, weeks ago, months ago, even. So, um, you know, it's it's no surprise. And if it if it works out for him, I have no doubt that you know, he, he could end up at Zenit within a couple of years if it all goes well at, at um, Sochi. Because that's just the way that Gazprom's going to work that transfer. Um, one that one that I quite liked. Um, Nizhny brought in a couple of players. Obviously, they've they've been struggling financially, but they brought in a couple of players from uh, from the Fenia who are like Daniel Penchikov, who I've been pushing for. Well, I've been wanting Rubin to sign as a right back for for a couple of years from Tom Tomsk. Um, you've had obviously. Uh, Kurzhikov there as the manager and he worked with Pinchkov at, at Tom last season so he, he's brought him along um, they also signed up Timur Suleimanov on a permanent deal uh, after his good season last year so it'd be, he'll be uh, challenging to lead the line uh, alongside Bekin Balai who they also just bought in the ex-Akamat uh, striker and uh, uh, the other one who I who I quite like obviously last year was I talked about him a few times Nikita Klipsov he was uh, he was on trial with the Nizhny early in the season, uh, in the in the summer I should say, um, but he's been with Krasnodar for the last few weeks I believe. Uh, definitely saw him playing in the highlights of one for any match. Uh, don't know if he's still with that squad, and whether they're planning to pick him up, and even if they do pick him up, is he going to play for the first team or, or the second team? But uh, it certainly looks like a Premier League move is on the cards. Um, it would just be a case of, of which club, you know, I, I wanted him to come to Ruby in, but it's uh, it's not going to happen by the way. But I'm very glad that he's he's making that move. Um, you know, there, there's you know, there's a lot of players I could I could probably mention um, from from last season, but uh, I will I will save that for another time. I think <laughs> we'll just we'll just talk about ones that have happened so far. It's. A bit of a shame with the news that broke about Ufa. I think was it earlier this morning or mm. or late yesterday that if those who haven't heard, um it's rumoured, of course, only rumours, that Ufa have got potentially only up to six months worth of finances secured right now. Um because the impact of COVID has particularly devastated them. And this year in particular they haven't been able to recoup quite a lot of transfer fees for players like they have in the past. And of course, Ufa are a selling club. They rely on the sales of their 
sort of gems that they unearth from various places. So I think their sort of raid of the Finnael is is partly expected because that's usually what they do. That's one of their sort of operating processes and yeah. modus operandi. But I think it's also potentially forced upon them because if you look at the sheer numbers, it's quite high. It's more so than usual. Ufad, you don't really see year in, year out a high quantity of transfers. It's often three or four or, four or five, maybe quite low of, of good quality transfers. And they've kind of done a little bit of both. I think Irving Bataka could be quite, a, it's probably going to be quite raw, but it could be a real hidden hidden gem. And it's he's, of course, uh, followed his boss anyway from Velez. But Richard, so we're going to finish off now. And but is there any any last words in, on the summer transfer activity from yourself? Yeah, um, speaking of Nishni, I'm, I'm going to keep track on them this season because obviously they are quite big underdogs. Um, they are probably definitely the most people's favourites to go down. Obviously, we've mentioned before that they've had financial issues. Um, interesting to see what Alexander Kurtzikov's like in the, in the RPL. Obviously, he, he, he gave it a good go last season with Tom. They eventually, uh, initially fell short of survival, but you know they were given the reprieve. But obviously, after they were given the reprieve quite late on due to the Chaika situation, um, Kurtzikov had already moved to Nishi Novgorod. It's an interesting move by them. I ho- I'd hope that's a long-term thing because I don't realistically think anybody expects them to survive because it's going to be very tough for them. It's interesting how they brought in an Argentine defender uh, from um, Lokomotiv Plovdiv in Bulgaria. I think they were right at the top of the league last season in Bulgaria. They qualified for the Conference League. Uh, Lucas Masuero and reportedly Kurtzikov's, um ability to speak Spanish helped get that deal over the line because obviously he had a couple of years at Sevilla. So they've, they brought him in. Um... And yeah, I'm the side I'm going to keep tabs on this season. Um, one of the frustrating things for me is is that I'd like to have seen a bit more transfer activity from some clubs. You know, Spartak have been very quiet so far. Zenit have been very quiet so far. But it's our old friend again, the foreigner limit. Once again, it's just plain havoc because, you know, Zenit are quoted up on foreign players. They can't do anything. You know, Rubin are quoted up on foreign players too and can't really do much. They have to offload players. Um, they've been having to try and offload players. Obviously, Starfelt's, Carl Starfelt's now gone to Celtic. But yeah, what what can Zenit really do until one of Driussi or Rasmoon or both go? They can't really do anything. They've you know they've had to offload Emmanuel Mamama to to Sochi. I'd say out of the sides, probably in terms of ranking of windows, I'd probably say Sochi have definitely had the um, probably the best window or, or most interesting window anyway in terms of the the personnel that they've brought in. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you on the Laxalt deal too. I, I find that a very strange transfer because, like I say, he wasn't like you like you alluded to, James. He wasn't great at Celtic last season. A lot of the fans were quite critical of him, and you know, I thought they already had a decent enough left wing uh, left back in uh, Dimitri Skopintsev. Um, obviously, Dinamo are now quoted up. They've had to loan out um, Gargidze to um, Ural. Interesting to see if they do any more business. I, I still think they're lacking a striker, although they've they've promoted a young striker from. Dinamo 2 in the under-19s last season, uh, Yaroslav Gladshev, who scored quite a lot of goals. Uh, but I still think, you know, maybe even Dinamo should consider maybe ditching someone like Sylvester Boone, who hasn't really done it, and see if they can look to bring in a forward before the window shuts. Um, but yeah, Balbuena looks, should be quite decent and upgrade on all debts, you'd think. Um, but yeah, just a foreigner limit, once again, just hampering clubs with the recruitment. I, I, I really hope this is the... There has been talk of it, finally being discussed about being either removed or relaxed. Hopefully, we will get some news on this in the next few weeks for next season because 
just so frustrating. The likes of Spartak and Zenit can't do anything because they're already up, quoted upon the limit. But um, yeah, that's the last um, foreign limit um, ramblings. I'll I'll mention <laughs> in this because we go on about it like a broken record every week, don't we? So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting uh, to see how like Nishni. I've seen them a couple of times in preseason. They're they're looking uh, not good. I will say that. Um, do you remember Rotor signed some Argentinian? I can't remember his name. But they signed an Argentinian defender last summer, and he played like three times and then disappeared. And I just when this one happened, when they signed when Nijni signed Masuera, I was like, I wonder if that's going to be an exact repeat of what the guy did at Rotor. Um, yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting to see how the rest of the new plays out. I think um, you know now that Euros is done, season's starting to start again. Um, we got about a month ish left of the window, you might start to see some of the foreign players going uh, and we might see things open up. Spartak's squad looking pretty good, I think. Um, what, if they need anything else? I don't know. Um, I think they're looking fairly solid over there. Um, I, I'll just mention, uh, my, my last thing to mention would be on, on the Karelia uh, squad. Um, obviously, they, they had a big chunk of uh, Chertanova players over there already. And uh, they've added somehow three more to that um, this this summer. Um, they've brought in uh, Daniel Prutsev on loan from Sochi. Uh, obviously, Sochi signed him from Korea last summer uh, for just under a million euros. He didn't really play uh, too much, so they bought him. Korea bought him in, which is really good. Getting some football. Glushenkov, uh, Maxim Glushenkov's coming on loan from Spartak. And uh, Sergei Pinyayev has, has been with uh, Karelia all, all summer. Um, scored four in four games uh, over a couple of friendlies that they played. And uh, seemingly will, will be uh, a Karelia player this season. Um, I saw a quote this morning from Sergei Kornilenko saying that, I think in his own words, everything will be confirmed on our website this week. Um, so yeah, we have that kind of a uh, contingent is growing ever larger. I think they're up to 12 um, with it, not even including the manager. Um, so uh, so a big, big group there. Um, and uh, that sort of leads on to, you know, we, we've we've seen a few, quite a few players leave Russia, um, Russian players leave Russia this summer, which uh, has been strange. We saw Lunyov obviously go to Bayer Leverkusen. Yosifov went to Villarreal. Uh, Uther's young goalie Chernov signed for Vile in, in Denmark. Yogo Golenkov from, from Karelia has um, been over in the Czech Republic. He's not signed for a club yet, but he's looking likely to sign for a club over there. And uh, Zenit loaned out a young, youngster Mikhailov to, to Schalke. So we've seen six players uh, or five players leave the uh, Russian shores this, this window to go abroad, uh, which is, you know, always fully encouraged from, from our side. Um, obviously, we're waiting for not Russian, but we're waiting for the big one, which is Vlasic seemingly uh, to go. So, um, you know, definitely still moves to happen. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to sort of just end on, on the Karelia um, slash Chertanova Samara squad going on there uh, as, as my last point. If we are going to stay on the Karelia thing as well, um, this isn't transfer related, but it's a nice little story to end the pod because as those who follow us on Twitter would have realised, there's been a a little bit of a a popular design, should we say, among the 
various announcements of shirt for new new jerseys and shirts among the the Russian football teams in which Krilia's kit, Sochi's one of so- both of Krilia's kits, one of Sochi's kits, and Krasnodar's goalkeeper's kit are all the same template, which is. I mean, clubs pay for different size uh, manufacturer deals depending on whether they want a bespoke kit or whether they'll just get a, a, the random template that the, the manufacturer does for that year. But it just... Having it exactly the same, and it, it's so random as well. It, it's literally like a coloured shoulder and then just like like kind of like dots and blocks arranged in sort of like the matrix font on the shirt it's so bizarre but it it just it's just so weird and you wouldn't see that in many other top leagues across europe i, I would be really surprised if you did um i mean sochi don't even have a sponsor so let's just not get into it but it's just a one of those funny little only in russia moments that we kind of see now and again that Two clubs have got exactly the same kit as their first team, like outfield playing kit, as Krasnodar's goalkeeping kit, which is just, it's so bizarre. And, and with that, unfortunately, we do reach the end of this week's podcast. As a quick little note to finish on, I will run through some of the games, of course, that take place in the in the RPL this, this weekend as Rostov and Dinamo Moscow kick off the action for the 2021-22 season. And that's uh, at six o'clock GMT on Friday evening. Um, some following on from that is uh, Kim Ki Zenit, uh, local Arsenal. Ruben Spartak is the first um, match where two European teams uh, play each other for the first time this season. Ural Krasnodar, newly promoted and aforementioned Krilia host Ahmad. Siska Ufa. Also newly promoted Nizhny play Sochi. And that's been it for this week's Russian Football News Podcast. We'll be back, as always, at the usual time next week. As always, thank you for listening. Goodbye for now. Веди его, беги, точнее его удар. Но мяч берет ноги решительный вратарь. Не напрасно футбольное поле Самых ловких и смелых плечок. Здесь нужны тренировка и воля. Быстрота, увлечение, расчет.